It is always a sense of satisfaction that we welcome one of our own back to the church. And so this, mor this morning, we're very pleased to welcome Jeff Seat here today. Jeff, as many of you know, is a son of Tom and Sue Seat, and he pastors at the Aurora Church in Ohio. And uh, that church is having wonderful success and a wonderful ministry there. We're very proud of Jeff. We pray for him and his ministry. Jeff is going to lead us in our morning prayer, please. Fairest Lord Jesus, it is with praise that we come into your presence this morning, worshiping you, Father. I pray that you'll focus our eyes upon you, Lord, and show us your strength and your power this morning and your glory. Father, we are indeed grateful for this opportunity to gather like this in freedom. We uh, often take this for granted, Father, but it's such a blessing. We love our church family, Father, and we are so grateful for the way you've put us together. Lord, as we gather uh, as a church here, I pray that you will give us a sense of confidence in you. During this time of transition, Father, it, it can be a difficult time, and I pray that you will uh, just guide this great church, Father, in this time of transition between pastors. I pray that you'll be preparing the man whom you are calling right now to this church. I pray that you will be preparing his heart to uh, come to this church family and lead and be the pastor. Lord, I pray for the pulpit committee too as they search for the man you have uh, planned for uh, this church and guide them, Lord, and direct them in all they do. Father, as we gather this morning, we're very mindful of people who are hurting and, and um, who are feeling lonely and uh, feeling many other kinds of things this morning, Lord. I pray that you'll bring comfort into their lives and, uh, Lord, let them know of your strength and your your support and your encouragement during times of loss, during times of difficulty, during times of confusion. Father, I pray you'll guide this worship hour this morning and get glory for yourself. Lord, lead us, show us, teach us this morning through the singing and through the praying and through the preaching. Encourage our hearts, Lord, during this Christmas season. We thank you for prayer, Lord, and this opportunity to come to you like this. In Jesus' strong and mighty name, we pray with confidence. Amen. Would you stand with us, please, as we sing Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Number 88, shall we stand as we sing together? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let us Oh 
and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior raise. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, for as thy curse is found, for as the curse is found, for as, for as the curse the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness, and wonders of His love, and wonders of His love, and wonders, wonders of His love. Joyful, joyful, we adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before Thee, opening to the sun above. Clouds of sin and sadness drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All thy works with joy surround thee, earth and heaven reflect thy ways. Stars and Sing around thee, center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, bell and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea. Singing bird and flowing fountain, call us to rejoice in thee. Mortals, the morning stars began. Father, love is reigning o'er us. Brother, love binds man to man. Ever singing march we onward, victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music leads us sunward, and the triumph song of love.
The text for the message this morning is in the third chapter, the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua, the third chapter, and the first five verses, we have this beautiful and wonderful story. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Another year has just about completed its way. This is the last Lord's Day in 1987. We come to the close of many things in each of our lives. But as almost in a few hours we approach the dawn of a brand new year, we take our instructions from the Lord as to how we should prepare ourselves and how we should live in the new year that is before us. There are some things, I suppose, we never ever get used to, no matter how often the experiences come, no matter how many people we know who go through various kinds of experiences, we somehow never ever get used to the reality of death. Donald Gray Barnhouse, the great Presbyterian preacher of Philadelphia, of another generation, I heard him say when he was an old man in Memphis, death is at the same time the most ordinary and the most extraordinary thing in all the world. It's ordinary because if on this holiday weekend, if it is a, quote, normal one, there will be some 10,000 deaths across America. 
ordinary. But when it happens to somebody you know, somebody in your family, somebody in your circle of friends, it becomes the most extraordinary thing in all the world. The flash flooding that has covered our state has touched and saddened many lives. It has become an extraordinary event for some of us in that yesterday morning, Mr. and Ms. John Ellis, very faithful and active members of the First Baptist Church in Nashville, were drowned together in their automobile. They're out of Franklin. Somehow we never get used to it, though we hear it and see it, and the television bombards us with all of the tragedies of life. There's some things you just don't ever get used to. Same thing is true for weddings. I've been to a lot of weddings, both to officiate at them and to attend them, and no two are ever the same. You just somehow never quite get used to all the different things that are involved in things like weddings. The change of the seasons. It seems that as the seasons change for us, we are constantly amazed. It's either too early or it's too late or it's too wet or it's too dry or when it happens, it, it sort of takes us by surprise. And yet, those of us who've lived through quite a few changes of the seasons, we still find it rather surprising, no matter what the weatherman does to us. And so it is that while a year has passed and all of these things that I've spoken has happened within our families and certainly within your church family, we find ourselves as a people today, like the children of Israel on the banks of the Jordan River. They have come out of their slavery in Egypt. They have wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. It is now time for them to cross the Jordan into the promised land to claim the land that God had given them. And so we stand on the threshold of new experiences. You as a church, as you come to the conclusion of 1987 without a pastor, and as you prepare to cross the Jordan of a new year into 1988, you will walk paths you have not walked before. And so we need to hear what God said to the children of Israel to help them in their journey because that will help you in your journey and me in mine. There are some beautiful lessons to be gained in this old story. I think as we read it again and again, we can discover that truth that this story would tell us that we must learn how to treat our past. 
the children of Israel were ordered to take three days and to reflect, to think. I don't know how it was with those Jewish folks back then, but I know right now that if I took this same crowd, nobody else, but everybody included, and we all just went off someplace for three days to do nothing but think. Some of you, and me included probably, would go bonkers. Why, you haven't thought, and sometimes I think days go by without thinking a single thought. We react to so many things before we act. We live our lives almost pushed and pulled and, and uh, external influences that move us this way and that. God said to the children of Israel, you're going to be entering into brand new kinds of experiences. Now stop and take note about where you have been and what has happened. Throw out the bad. Determine that which is good that you want to carry over into the new year. Memory's a strange sort of a witch. Isn't it odd how we treasure those bits of hay and straw and throw the jewels out the window so many times? But we need to stop and reflect through the memory of 1987 through the 12 months that have passed, 52 weeks, through all of the beatings of our heart, through all of the miles that we have traveled, through all the words we have spoken, the associations we have had, the influences that we have had upon others, the money we have spent. We need to reflect upon our past. There are some things indeed that the children of Israel needed to forget. That is, to forget as far as the repeating of it. And that was the exhibition of their heathenism at the foot of Mount Sinai. And they took all their golden jewelry and formed the golden calf and danced around it. That was something of shame. They needed to forget that and move on beyond that. They came to Kadesh Barnea. It was the opportunity for them to go in and possess the land 40 years earlier than this event that is recorded in the third chapter of Joshua. You know that old story. The 12 spies went out, one representing each of the 12 tribes. They all came back. They all said it's a wonderful land, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but we're like grasshoppers in their sight over there. And so ten of them said, we just can't do it. Better not try. Two of them said, we can do it. God has given us the land and God has pointed this out to us. We can go in and do it. But here was a time in which democracy failed. For they voted and they listened to the majority report. 
And because they listened to the majority report, that generation died in the wilderness. And I hope you have noticed in that story that only Caleb and Joshua of those 12 spies, only Caleb and Joshua of all the thousands and tens of thousands of the adults, only those two men crossed over at last, 40 years later, into the promised land. Caleb was 85 years old. And Caleb said, God, you promised me a mountain. I'm here to claim my mountain. And Joshua was the leader of the people. Now, they needed to reflect on the circumstances of the rebellion of their parents there at Kadesh Barnea so that they would not repeat that, but they needed to leave that spirit of rebellion behind them as they went into the promised land. They needed to remember some things. They needed to remember the protection of God. They needed to remember that he gave them manna to eat. They needed to remember that he provided fresh water for them. They needed to remember that in the daytime there was a, a pillar of cloud that moved and they could follow that and have direction. And at night, a pillar of fire that they could see. God took care of his own. God protected them and they needed to remember that as they were closing this significant chapter in their life and beginning this momentous new one. There is another lesson that ought to be learned. Not only how to treat the past, but they needed to remember that the future was imminent but hidden from them. How do I know that? It said, you have not been this way before. Nobody knows, not the devilish writers of horoscopes or the stargazers who seek to prophesy what the day or tomorrow will bring. Nobody knows what this afternoon or tonight or tomorrow or next year will bring for you and your family. I'm grateful for that. There is that scripture that tells us sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We towed around enough old bad baggage, that which we know and remember from yesterday and the events of today without multiplying the agony and the worry about what might happen tomorrow. God said, you've not been this way before. And because you have not been this way before, you need to do certain things and you need to get ready. But most of all, God said, you need to trust in me. 1988, 
will contain a lot of surprises for a lot of us. If I knew what they happened to be and could tell you, it wouldn't be a surprise, would it? It would be a surprise to all of us. 1988 will offer to you as a congregation, to family of believers, the First Baptist Church at Smyrna will offer to you glorious and wonderful opportunities in the midst of that which you do not know that tomorrow holds, yet the opportunities as a church family, as you pray for your pastor search committee, as you pray for yourself, as you search out under the leadership of the Holy Spirit that for that one that God would have to come and be your spiritual leader. You see, 1988 promises to be a year that will be different from any year of your history. But don't you ever forget it, that as God was with the children of Israel as they moved into their promised land, God has promised to be with you. But you see, it's necessary that we also determine that we will follow the directions that God gives. The future indeed is hidden. But there was something they needed to do in order to get ready to go into that promised land. There was something they had to do. And if they had not done this, I believe God would have stopped them at the Jordan River and would not have let them go on into that promised land. He said, consecrate, sanctify yourselves. Now, what does that mean? That means get your heart right. That means think straight. That means that you make a conscious decision that you will listen for the direction of God and that you will be willing to respond to the direction of God. When we consecrate ourselves, when we sanctify ourselves, it means that we put ourselves in the circle of God's protective care and love. And that when we say, Father, tell us what to do. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct in every decision that we make. We Consecrate ourselves to be responsive to the direction of your Holy Spirit for us. When that becomes the stance of a people, then God is able to whisper or to thunder. God is able to make his will known. But it comes only to those who have ears that are consecrated to hear and hands that will be governed 
by the will of God. Now those folks back there a long time ago, those folks could have said, okay, here we are. We've had a pretty rough journey up to this point. We're at the Jordan River and they tell us the promised land's on the other side. I'll draw the road map. I'll determine which superhighway I want to take over there. I'll determine the speed at which I want to go into the promised land. We'll make up our own minds about this thing. They could have said that. But they would have robbed themselves of the joy of the victory that would come in the possessing the Holy Land. They waited the three days. They thought for three days. They remembered for three days. They dreamed for three days. They consecrated themselves to be obedient to the voice and to the direction of their God. And it was because of that that the officers of the people passing among them said this now is what you will do. The Ark of the Covenants will be borne by the Levites. This sacred and holy vessel, this will guide you. This will point you in the direction that you need to go. But hold it in holy awe and reverence. Don't get too close to it. Don't touch it. Holy things have become mighty cheap to some folks. Christianity itself has become such a cheap thing because so many professed Christians have lived such terrible lives profiting off the gospel. I don't know of any single year when organized religion has taken such a beating, and rightly so, because of the hypocrisy so many well-known so-called Christian leaders. God said through those officers to the people, the ark is a holy thing. The ark of the covenant containing those holy objects. It will be handled by the Levites and the priests. They will carry it. You will follow it. Stay back from it. Be in awe of it. Do not laugh at it. Do not handle it with dirty hands. You and I, as we approach 1988 with whatever it has for any one of us, need to remember that as we handle this word of God, we need to do so with reverent hands, with prayerful heart, with minds and souls that are open to receive the message that he will give. And so we see in this that their new day needed a new consecration. And I would like to suggest to you 
that you probably are a very strange bunch of folks if you arrive at this day, the last Lord's Day of 1987, and as you approach 1988, with all of its unlimited possibilities for you as a congregation, if you do not feel that there is the need on your part as an individual or as a family, as a church family, that you re-consecrate yourself to be responsive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. And as you determine to do that, as you determine to be holy and clean, washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you determine to listen to His voice, as you determine to be directed by His Spirit, then it is you will cross over and claim joy and victories for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then a new command was given. No new command had been given for a long, long time. It had simply been set up the tents, strike the tents. But now a new command is issued. The second verse says, Arise. Here are then for 1988, for the First Baptist Church in Smyrna, Tennessee, in the great opportunities that are yours, in the unknown tomorrow that is yours, as it is for all of us. Here, from God's word, are your marching orders. Arise. Go forward. Cross over. Possess the land. There you have it. Would you want any stronger word from God than that? Arise. Some of you will say, that's right, tell them, preacher. I'm going to sit, but you tell the others to get with it. God says to you, arise. Go forward. Cross over the Jordan and possess the land. And that's my challenge to you. In 1988, arise, go forward, cross over, possess the land. Chuck Swindle tells a wonderful little story about a mother who took her nine-year-old boy to hear a famous concert pianist. They came into the concert hall. They sat down. It was five or ten minutes before the great pianist was to come and to begin the performance. People were talking to each other as they always do and the mother had turned around to one side and talking to the neighbor and I think maybe the row behind did not notice that her little nine-year-old who didn't much want to be there to begin with was a little on the fidgety side. He was kind of bored with just sitting there so he got up, slipped out of his seat, went down that 
that aisleway and walked up onto that brightly lit stage and walked all around that big nine-foot-long black ebony Steinway and looked at it very carefully. And he saw that padded stool that these concert pianists like to sit on. And he crawled up on that thing and he sat down and he fixed his hands just right. And he started playing chopsticks. The place got quiet. People stopped their conversations and their buzzing around. They looked up there and they saw that little nine-year-old playing chopsticks. Who's that boy? What mother would let that boy run? Why that the desert? Why the how terrible? Get that boy off that stage. The pianist, the great master, was over in the wings. And he, and he heard the piano, and he, and he heard chopsticks, start, and he heard the hubbub of the people and, and, and the ugly things that were being said, and he hurriedly slipped on his uh, formal jacket, and he, and he came out, and he got right behind the boy, and he says, go on now, don't stop, go on, don't stop. And while the boy was playing chopsticks with his two or three little fingers, the great master began to weave beautiful harmonic melodies along side with that and play and he kept whispering oh don't stop don't stop go on don't stop go on and the great master played and turned the simple little chopsticks into a beautiful thing to hear you ever feel like in your life that that's about all you're doing just crawling up at somebody else's grand piano and playing chopsticks The master, the master is always there and he's leaning behind us and he's saying to us, don't stop, keep going, don't stop. And he begins to play and make something very beautiful out of our little childish chopstick. If you've ever been discouraged, if anything in 1987 has slowed you down, if you have question marks about 1988, arise, possess the land, go forward. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to sing hymn number 420. Hymn number 420. Lead on, O King Eternal. What more appropriate hymn could we sing? Lead on into 1988. Lead on, O King Eternal. Into whatever you have for me and for my life. Sing it as a church with, with great joy. For he will lead you forward great and wonderful experiences. Hymn number 420, Lead On, O King Eternal. If you would publicly profess Christ as your Savior, come. Brother Carlton will be at the front to welcome and receive you. If you'd move your membership, listen to me, Christian friend. The word of God is spoken to your own heart. Arise, go forward, possess the land. You do that when you join with fellow Christians serving the Lord. Let's stand and sing together. You come. 
tonight in the evening worship service your college and career department. Not the college and career department, your college and career department. We'll be observing, leading in the evening service. It's an easy thing to sit at home and say, I'll tell you the younger generation's going to the dogs. You, as older friends, need to support your college and career young people. You say, I do, I think about them once in a while. No, you need to be here tonight and show them by your presence that you do believe in them. Christian young people, young adults taking their stand for the Lord. And I'm going, God willing, to bring a message for them, for you, under the title of If. If. Why don't you come? God will bless you, Carter. I'm going to ask Jim Farrell, chairman of our deacons, please, if he'll come to the microphone and lead us in a concluding prayer. This is a wonderful challenge that Dr. McIntyre has given us today as we as a church look forward to 1988 with the unique experiences that undoubtedly the Lord has for us. And I'm sure that as Jim leads us in prayer that each one of us will pray that we individually will take our appropriate place of responsibility as we seek to cause First Baptist Church to be a wonderful instrument in the hands of God. Jim, lead us in prayer, please. Thank you, our Father, for allowing us to be in our house today. Thank you for the opportunity of studying thy word. Thank you for the love and peace that's within us. We thank you for the love that you sent, for the reasons that we celebrated Christmas, for that son, for his commitment to us and his promises. Thank you for the opportunity of worshiping you in song. Thank you for the message that we've heard this morning, praying that each of us would be conscious of this past year and our mistakes and our glories, our accomplishments, praying that we would look to you for 1988 for even more glorious things to happen. Where there be disappointments, let us realize that they are teaching tools that come from our Father. Be with us and guide and direct us through the rest of this day. Return us to your house tonight. For these things I pray in thy Son's name. Amen. Thank you.